Let's get out of here. I'm through with all this. Unfortunately, it isn't as simple as that, because while there are demons, there'll always be men ready to serve them, and they'll always be a threat to you. So your services may be required again. Hmm. Then so be it. Remember this. Pandora's box released chaos. The gods saw the despair actions cause, so they released one last item with the others, so mankind could bear to go on. The gift of hope. Till next time. Gee, this girl's great. listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello, and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, Reed was here a moment ago, but he said he needed to go put his roller skates on. I'm sure that's going to go well. Uh, in the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back into our current series voted on by our patrons. Join them and you too can vote on what we are covering this year. This particular series has been featuring animated fare, not fit for Saturday mornings. That's right. Welcome to Scare Tunes, a series highlighting animated material of a horror nature. Last week, we felt all the feels discussing the secret of them with our friends Asia and Jackson. This week, we are doing the devil shake, the dance craze sweeping through the film Demon City Shinjuku. Additionally, we'll be tracking a TV guide post of Netflix's Castlevania in our patron-only segment. Before we get too far along, permit me to welcome back to the show, longtime fogger, continuity guru we I don't even know if we could do this show at this point without him also my fellow traveler that I have to sleep on the floor to resist my temptations towards friends and foggers welcome back to the show Steve Beckley Steve welcome hello. brother hello oh, Nathan it's, it's so great to be here again oh it's so great to have you I feel like I feel like you you exist in this like liminal space like a little astral old man you know projecting himself across <laughs> distances each episode yes. like you are there with us as your astral self master um, beckley yeah <laughs> sure um <laughs> master beckley go find your dad's sword in the basement while i remind listeners lest they have forgotten that here at the fear of god we explore 
We do not explain. Except for right now when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at thefearofgodpodcast.com. Uh, you'll find there how to support us on Patreon, a worthwhile endeavor if ever there was one, as well as essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise. Read Lackey! <laughs> hey, brother. How are you? I'm good. Steve's here. Hey, Steve. It's good to see you, man. Great to see you, too. Thanks for skating on back. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that was was a little character joke, if I'm honest. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I caught it. Yeah. Yeah, you did. I thought they were Um, Heelys myself. Riri. (laughs) So we got got some stuff to get to. Beckley's here. He's going to hang out for a minute. Oh, I'm so Um, excited. We got some business to talk mm. about okay uh one of which is there's a quarterly king on the horizon oh in like in two f- weeks actually oh lord um <laughs> Can't catch up. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> we are going to be discussing firestarter on our next quarterly king uh you can now as of this recording watch the peacock right not paramount peacock peacock I get, yes correct. i get those mixed up in my peacock. head sometimes uh, I'm proud as a peacock, baby. <laughs> um, you can watch the newest Firestarter so, so, starring Mr. Zac Efron. I can't talk today uh, on Peacock. You can mm-hmm. also watch the original Drew Barrymore one on your streaming service of choice. Peacock too. It's on Peacock it? as well. Yeah. yeah. So well, there if, we go. Yeah. Look, both are available. Setting fire and to the Peacock. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And if you're so inclined, you can also on the Peacock Network watch the. Uh, a much maligned Firestarter Two rekindled uh, the Ooh. attempt attempt <laughs> to launch a... an ongoing series as a sequel. So uh, yeah, it's there. It's okay, there for the take. Well, I don't think I'm going to do that one. Um, but <laughs> nonetheless, Firestarter New, Firestarter Old, Firestarter Book. Go yes. for it. We didn't start the fire. Um, <laughs> Reed, I, I want to throw one out, uh, and that is to let listeners know there are a couple of we're, we're trying to get back in the swing of things exercise some discipline there's some afterthoughts essays on the website uh, as of right now uh, vera shared one post Coraline. um asia shared one post mm-hmm. nim uh yep. dave courtney as always though not literally afterthoughts is is always offering his holding court uh that are around there so please visit the website uh, check out what your foggers are offering there what else you got reed Business. Yes, indeed. Uh, no, honestly, I don't have any additional business uh, except for the ever-present. Uh, oh, oh, actually, I take oh. that back. I, uh, oh, 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 I do want to remind uh, listeners very briefly. Obviously, the foggies are a little behind us at this point, um, but for these next few weeks, we'll try to drop in there. That uh, what we did last time to pull together the foggies was everybody in quick succession rapidly looked over what they had seen throughout the year to see, oh, what should be nominated for whatever. But now. Anytime you watch something that you're like, oh man, this deserves a little bit of notation or some recognition, you can go to the fearofgodpodcast.com, click on the banner on the top, it'll take you to a suggestion page where you can then drop a suggestion either for a, a, a material or an element in material that you would like considered for a category, maybe performance that really stuck out to you, uh, production design, writing, uh, direction, something, or... If you really feel inspired, you can propose a new category. A, cate- a new category. You're not the only one who can't. I'm talk. glad it's not just me. <laughs> Thank you, brother. You can you can propose a new category um, that is um, you know potentially for next year's foggy. So uh, by all means, go visit that. And uh, and, and then the last thing you know, kind of 
in in ramp up to our next segment join patreon like lots of fun things are happening it's it's really cool uh every episode you get some bonus material uh, and in fact uh this week's bonus material we're going to be talking about castlevania episode three and four of season two and uh we're also going to be talking about what we've been watching so yeah that's that's my business <laughs> well to the patreon mobile So about this movie, <laughs> few times oh. in the history of the fear of God did I more mean what I just said about this movie. Let me find my notes here. So we are um, what Reed? What? What? Oh, I just want to say, me. always interrupting me. Uh, t- wow, wow. <laughs> um, so no, I I just want to say, and this I have other thoughts on this, but I just want to say, I was I was really excited. To see this because there, what I loved about this, and this we'll get it, we'll get into in a little bit about like what this film is and and uh, and and how we came to cover it and everything. But it is rare in the run of the show, and I think will continue to be rare, where something will strike the radar as a point of conversation that I have like no intersection for. And and I was just like, wow, this is this is kind of a niche corner of the, of the world. <laughs> yeah, <did. laughs> like just a niche corner of the world that I was like, oh yeah, I don't I don't know what this is. I'm 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 intrigued. I didn't even, I didn't quite know. And then I'll get into this a little bit later, but kind of cracked open a door that I'm interested in in sort of uh walking down the path a little bit further of. But but that's just I just wanted to say I'm excited for this. I was glad for this. Um, I know it's a bit offbeat and it's a bit uh, out of uh, the realm of of what we would normally cover in terms of uh, you know notoriety or popularity or whatever. But I just I really uh, was excited to to get to talk about this. So wanted to thank you, Steve, and uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to open with. And I apologize that I interrupted you, Nathan. You had a whole nope. spiel to, to. No, I have no spiel. I was just gonna you know banter for a moment and then mm-hmm. you know I, I don't know what maybe pivot to you and it's kind of how it goes sometimes when I just don't know what else to say. So Reed, what are you feeling? no so uh uh, scare tunes this series we're in right now that was voted on by the patrons and beckley himself our illustrious guest and friend uh offered this film and as reed mentioned it was very much off the radar um you know a lot of what we have been covering is is pretty standard fare that that most of us were familiar with the Coralines, the nims and whatnot and so steve i'm curious from you like don't jump into, you know, bigger ideas or themes per se, but like, you know, one, <laughs> are you trying to bow up on us? Like boys, <laughs> Nathan Reed, you can't, what you want some real horror. I, I got some horror for you. <laughs> uh, so it's like, you're just calling us soft in our old age, which is fine. I, I can handle that. <laughs> um, you know, so, so kind of what prompted um, uh, this one from you you know were there other kind of candidates in the mix and 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 what kind of landed you here to offer and it hasn't even been mentioned yet the film we are covering today is a film called from 1993 called demon city shinjuku uh an Mm -hmm. anime um with monsters and demons in a city um so so yeah beckley why don't you just run with it for a moment and fill us in a little bit on your your backstory here yeah i think how it originated was that uh there was a comment thread on either Patreon or Facebook at 
when you had Let's to say it was Patreon. That way it entices people <laughs> to be like, I want to be in that comment thread. Yeah. <laughs> when you had uh, put out the, uh, the poll or, or started talking about the series, uh, yeah. people were yep. suggesting things. And, uh, and I saw there was a lot of stuff out on the poll that was, uh, you know, it was animated horror quotes around it but it <laughs> <laughs> so you work on a soft i knew it <laughs> like, uh, that wasn't the whole list there was horror. there was some things on the list that might have been hard i mean there's a lot on the list that i hadn't seen yet so i couldn't really say but mm-hmm. i i knew there was some stuff out there um that was real scary adult horror um, sure. I'm, but i i'm really not an expert on it either i'm not you shouldn't you shouldn't just jump ahead and think that i knew about this movie long ahead of time i had to go okay. out and do some some research myself. I know there's got to be some stuff scarier than uh, uh, Spirited Away and Secret of Nim. <laughs> not that I don't like those movies. Those are, those are great five-star movies. But uh, yeah, yeah. it's not exactly full-on horror that you wouldn't mm-hmm. show your kids because you would show your kids those movies. But yeah, I don't true. think you would want to show your kids Demon City Shinjuku. Though. Not nope. not tomorrow. Nope. No. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> and if you did, you made a horror error. <laughs> um, but any, but anyway, what I did was I went into Letterbox and looked up some lists of uh, uh, adult animation or animated horror, mm-hmm. and uh, I cross-referenced it with the streaming services I had, and, mm-hmm. and that led me to a handful of films. And uh, once I watched uh, those films, I, I thought that this, this one might be uh, the best one for talking about in, in our fog-themed conversations. So. Very cool. Very cool. Well, and uh, Oh, go ahead, Nathan. Yeah. Uh, what can you offer and, and, you know, maybe we'll reference them, uh, and the liner notes or something too. liner notes I like that. I like that. Hey. That's an idea. Um, you know, what were some of the others that, that kind of sure. entered your radar? Sure. I am. But there was three others that I watched before I zeroed in on this one. Um, one's the spine of night, which is mm-hmm. on shutter now. And it's, it's really recent. It's just from last year. And yep. that one is, uh, it's like a medieval times kind of movie, maybe in the vein of Castlevania, although much more, uh, much more uh, R-rated. <laughs> Absolutely, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of animated nudity in that, um, but it's like an uh, alarming amount of yeah. animated nudity. And there's a lot of gore too. There's a lot of bodies being slashed oh, yeah. with swords and 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 metaphysical uh, mm-hmm. uh, kinetic energy and whatnot. It's like, what, is it, what would you call that? Like wizards and magic and mm-hmm. and sort of like and yeah there's a there's a, a wizard that is never nude what's that <laughs> <laughs> it's like a plant or a flower that they're seeking that gives them this great yes. power and mm-hmm. and like the, the the good sorceress has it in the beginning and then the, the bad guy gets uh in control of it and ends up uh causing a lot of havoc and there's a, a a wraparound it, framing device story, and there's all these yeah. different separate stories that lead up to a confrontation at the end. But uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't quite zero in on what it was all really supposed to be saying or what it was all about, uh, even though it sure. was really uh, interesting animation. It was it was rotoscoping. It was rotoscoping, yeah. which I don't see rotoscoping often now that Ralph yeah, Bash is not uh, in the game. Modern anymore. version of rotoscoping, and yep. that kind of leads into one of the other movies, which was uh, probably one of the uh, classic versions of rotoscoping, is Fire and Ice. Mm-hmm. Ralph Bakshi. Um, yep. There was another. Uh, was it Franzetti? Frank Franzetti, the fantasy the, artist. The, yeah. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was. I don't know if they actually used Frizzetta. the drawings mm-hmm. or if it was just inspired by him for a lot of the backgrounds and scenery in the in the in the movie. But that was also. It's kind of a sword and sandals kind of story. Yes. Um, and 
uh, I don't know if there's actual nudity in it, but they're it's very actually, scantily clad. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling myself on that. It is Frank Frazetta. But, Frazetta. Uh, okay. Frazetta. That, yeah, fire like a, and... Oh, I was just going to say fire and ice is definitely... Like, I don't remember. It's certainly not Spine of Night level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Ralph Bakshi did love to have his characters clad in like almost <laughs> nothing <laughs> in his yeah. uh in in his more um original intellectual properties like fire and ice uh it was like so, this yeah. uh gladiator to kind of hero in the movie and then there's a mm-hmm. princess that gets abducted and then and then lost and befriends the gladiator type guy i guess if it was live yeah. action or probably arnold schwarzenegger playing the main role right probably yeah, <laughs> yeah likely likely yeah, yeah. and the uh, and and like that one lady is wearing little more than like postage stamps. That's right. <laughs> like it's just yeah. It's, but there's yeah. the 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 henchmen of the uh, of the ice world, or, or they call them subhumans, and they're chasing mm. around in gangs trying to reabduct the woman. And there's a witch and her her son or whoever uh, they come into. Yeah, so it's the it's like the fire world, which is the good world, and then the ice world is like a big glacier that's heading towards the the. the uh, the fire, the warm world. <laughs> and that, that's why they call it fire and ice. It's because the, uh, mm. the good and evil are going to clash eventually. And, uh, yeah. and yeah. there's a, there's a prince and his mother who are the kind of like the, uh, the emperor of the, mm. of the ice world. And, it's, and since it's rotoscoping, it's, it's interesting movements and fights. Uh, and, and there's, there's like pterodactyl type creatures that the, uh, the good guys ride into the glacier near the end of the movie. And that's uh, pretty interesting, but still Kind of like uh, uh, Spine of Night. It was it was hard to zero in on what could be the big uh, themes we could talk about here on that. Right. Even, even, even though there's a lot of cool action, it's probably just a simple hero's journey, but not much complicated beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, the third movie I watched uh, is from 2008, and it's called uh, Idiots and Angels. Hmm. Oh, yes. It has been a long time since I've seen that. You yes. did see it, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's from uh, Bill Plimpton. I think he does a lot of the the drawing or, or the artistry on his own, but he did. I mean, there's other credits in the movie, but he does a lot of the stuff on his own. I understand. Um, yeah, but it looks like it's really uh, you'd almost call it crude sketching type uh, drawing mm. in comparison mm-hmm. to a lot of the other big budget animation. But it, right. it appears like it might be low budget. Um, and this movie actually has no dialogue in it. It has a lot of like mm-hmm. grunt sounds and and there there are some voices, but it, it's 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 not words. Um, hmm. and it's about a man who's who's uh, kind of a mean person, um, and you just you see him going about his day. You don't see him to go to an office or anything, but you just see him go to a bar, um, hmm. and and you see him as he as he drives his car and goes to a bar and interacts with other people in the bar, and he's, and he's being mean and gruff to people most of the time during the beginning of the movie, and then one day he wakes up and he has these little little wings on his back. It looks mm-hmm. like angels' wings. Probably why they call it idiots and angels. Um, and then he he cuts them off, and then the next day they just grow back bigger, and he eventually has full on angel wings. Um, and he tries to like bind them to himself because he doesn't want them. But when he just lets them fly, he, he flies around, and the wings actually make him do good good deeds and good things. <laughs> but eventually, people uh, want to to either get his wings or use him for their own monetary gain. Yeah. And it goes on from there. But, uh, yeah, that was interesting, but it's, it's, I don't know, just because of the animation, it just seems kind of, and it does have a, it seems like it has a happy ending, but I couldn't quite 
I don't want to ruin the ending for you, but it, but mm. it, it was a little mm. hard to interpret what it was actually trying to say. If uh, the guy that does the animation, Bill Plimpton, he, I think he was actually the writer of it too. Um, yeah, I think that's I right. If, I don't know if he was really trying to say anything, but or if he just took the general concept and fleshed it out from there, no matter <laughs> where it would go. Right, uh, right. It, it's an interesting watch, though. I um so it, it's interesting. I do want to. Uh, I didn't really plan on this, but I do want to just mention, and I mean, super brief in passing. Um, I want to mention like three other things that were kind of in consideration, but similar to kind of what you're talking about is they they either didn't fit quite well for like conversation. They're fascinating films, but they, they didn't quite fit the, the the realm for like conversation. Uh, one that I would mention would be a, a, a film that I believe is a French film called Fears of the Dark. Uh, the S in Fears has like parentheses around it. Um, it's a sequence of like vignettes and it's all dealing with phobias and fears. So it's really unnerving, really creepy, but... Um, but again, they're all just sort of disjointed vignettes, just dealing with phobia in general. Another film that I adore, I love this film. Um, it's an anthology animated film called Extraordinary Tales. Little bit of a lukewarm title, obviously, but Extraordinary Tales is a series of animated Edgar Allan Poe stories. And uh, they are disjointed by the nature of the fact that they're just, it's an anthology. It's just several different Edgar Allan Poe animated stories, um, but really great. And especially if you love the work of Poe, highly recommend that. It's called Extraordinary Tales. It's available on a an alarming number of platforms, like for free to watch, like if you just can tolerate some ad breaks every once in a while. And it, it's really, really good. Um, and then the other one that I'll mention is a little bit more recent. I think it's a, a Chilean film called The Wolf House and stop motion animation, very unnerving. Uh, very unsettling, uh, difficult to articulate the precise narrative of what it is, but there's some really, all of that to say, there's some really fascinating things out there um, in the world of animation, a lot of them not even necessarily dealing with direct narratives, but experiences of visual images and sequences of uh, just, you know, extrapolated thoughts and moods and feelings um, that uh, I think are really, really fascinating. It's a, yes. it's a, it's a wide, wide world. I've seen the trailer for The Wolf House, and it is on my list, but I've heard people mm. say it's hard to really uh, get what it was trying to say out of that, get to grab a theme from it. But it is agreed, yeah. <laughs> uh, totally agreed, but it is so compelling to watch. And mm. as you're watching it, we mentioned this a bit on Coraline, as you're watching it, you begin to realize, like, wow, the meticulous craft and time that it took to make the because it's all stop motion, um, and the things they do with it are are really fascinating. And, I mean, watching it in the dark, genuinely very unnerving. Very unnerving. Some of the visual images and the way certain things, you know, there's a, there's a quality to visual images where when they go unnatural, you expect a human face to look a certain way. You expect a body shape to look a certain way. You expect a cabinet to look a certain way. And then when it doesn't, it, 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 pivots your brain in ways that are that are interesting but but again you know unsettling disturbing jarring um and the wolf house has quite a bit of that in in baked into its artistry so yeah um so yeah uh, but we're not talking about any of those <laughs> we're, that's a, that was a, a preview of eventual coming attractions maybe at some point but we're talking about demon city shinjuku so i mentioned earlier like you know probably 10 minutes ago how this cracked open like a door for me. I had never heard of this before you mentioned this film. I guess 
uh, direct-to-video, what we call direct-to-video, in Japan was called OVA, or um, like uh, Original Video Animation. Yes. And um, I think it's now called, like with the, with the uh, popularity of DVDs and stuff like that, I think they changed it to call it Original Animation DVDs or OADs. But um, this Demon City Shinjuku is, is what's called an OVA. It, it had no theatrical release. It had no TV viewing beforehand. It was just direct to home video distribution. And when I pulled this up and, and <laughs> the first like, I, I didn't read anything about it before seeing it. I just found it on Amazon Prime, queued it up, and started. And man, the first five minutes, I was literally like, "Am I watching Ninja Gaiden right now? Like, is this a <laughs> is this a cutscene for a Sega Genesis? Like, it really had those vibes." And I actually don't mean that as a criticism. I mean that as a compliment. I was sitting there, I was like, "Wow, this 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 feels like I'm you know like watching a cutscene from a Sega Genesis game or something <laughs> like that." The animation is a little higher class than that because of the bit rate, but it was just. Like it had that vibe, it had that sensibility, that feel, um, and 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 pretty fun for me. We'll get into some more of the details as we go along, but uh, it, it was pretty fun for me. Um, Nathan, what was your what was your overlay with this? Had you even had this even hit your radar before? No, but I think I feel like I mentioned this on a recent episode. But um, strangely, so when I was in high school, I took three years of Japanese. But despite that, and ironically, I actually did not really dive into the anime scene really i'm i'm familiar mm. with some of those early slash mid 90s touch points i did see as already referenced akira and and but, i mean it's yeah. been years and years and it is interesting seeing some of the seeds of what are are uh, in this uh, more manifest and something like that but it's funny i was just thinking about this now i, I wonder if it was just you know my my comics intake as a high schooler because there's there's a couple of comic artists of the mid 90s specifically two guys come to mind humberto ramos and joe matarera who were heavily influenced by anime style that um joe matarera was a signature x-men artist for a number of years uh ramos did a bunch of stuff i can't quite remember precisely how i you know started on his material but nonetheless heavily influenced by this stylistically and so you know it wasn't um i had it wasn't that i had zero sort of anime background or experience but it's just been a long time since i willed myself into that world and so mm. you know kind of like you read that opening sort of fight sequence it's big it's bombastic it's it's histrionic uh, there's a dude jumping around with two limbs because <laughs> they, you know, the ones that he's missing got cut off in the fight. It's just like, what? <laughs> you know, we are in the thick of it rather quick. Um, so no, didn't, didn't have much familiarity. Um, do, do either of you know, is this the only of this, is this did this spawn this is, this is the only, uh, uh, movie, but the, of the origin material it started as a novel. That's right. That's and right. then there was a, a like a comic book, a manga. Yeah. But there were sequels to the to the manga. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was looking it up on on Wikipedia and on Amazon, where you can actually buy a, the original and the sequels. There's oh, wow. Demon Demon Palace Babylon is a direct sequel, written six years later. Um, yeah, 1988 is when the movie came out, and mm. the original uh, novel was six years before that. Um, oh, why did I think it was 93? I don't know. Kayoya, the main character, Sayaka and Mephisto all mm-hmm. return. 
Okay. Oh, okay. Demon City Hunter is a series of 17 manga released in Japan that follows the same characters, really, after the events of the movie. Mm. And then there's Demon City Blues, a set of five novels that are based in Demon City Universe. It has Mephisto appearing, but with a new hero. Demon, Demon City, City Blues feels like a, just like a jazz version. It's, it's, like well, it's a, a, a private know. investigator specializing sure. in missing... <laughs> Specializing in missing persons. That almost sounds like uh, Eddie Murphy movie, The Golden Child. I was, I was, I was actually going to say it reminds me of like a CW series or something like, oh. <laughs> like a Demon City Blues, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, the oh, DCPD. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. Well, the, but the loose premise of this is these two kind of nemeses at the front end that I was referring to just a moment ago in this pitched battle. One is, uh, you know. Holy, somebody else take the baton because how do you explain this so he opens up a portal uh, uh in what is to become the titular demon city to all these demons yeah. to come forth that are going to imbue him with power and but basically there's like a year time frame that gets established well, 10 years um, I think, right yeah 10 years yeah. 10 years no. bad, it's, ten, yeah, it's a, a bad guy's rebby Ra. he's the villain right and he, he's made a deal with a deal with the demon world um he wants to release the demons so that there could be this hell on earth really Right. Um, mm-hmm. And his uh, his main opponent is Genichiri Genichiro Ezayoi, um, mm-hmm. and he's the guy he's battling in the in the first scene, and that's the the, the hero's father. The rest of the movie, the hero is Kayoya, his son, mm-hmm. and so the father is battling Rebi Ra in the prologue scene, and he ends up losing. Um, so ten years, he has to wait ten years because that's the that's the deal that uh, Rebi Ra made. In ten years, the uh, the demon world will come to Earth. And until then, there was there was an earthquake, so so that's like part of the city of Tokyo became. That's the Devil's Shake. Yeah, what, the Devil's Shake, the, the new yep. dance. It's only part <laughs> only part of Tokyo became hell on earth, and then but <laughs> for some reason the rest of the world became like world peace. Like there's peace on the rest of the world, largely <laughs> thanks to President Kazumi, uh, who yeah. just like yeah, who just absolutely like brought about I guess peace and bliss everywhere. Yeah, even um, peace in the Middle East. <laughs> exactly they, they literally call out <laughs> yeah. that like the the um arab population and the jewish population have have called a truce and they have made their peace thanks to mm-hmm. the work of president kozumi in this and this was 88 this was like this, that was what was crazy about this is that was like wow that feels like it would be a pretty recent overlay or a recent consideration of something but no i was like wow this is this was 1988 that they included that in jews there. and the arabs have been at it for a long time reading. sounds sounds like it sounds like it um so <laughs> but um it was interesting to me like uh so uh, what's funny about it is i couldn't qu- there were a couple of things that just sort of didn't mix well together um uh, so I, uh, can we can we maybe do a little quibbles and bits? We haven't okay. done that segment in like for a while. Mm-hmm. So so here here we go on quibbles and bits. Okay, no need for the theme song. P- people know the segment. Um, okay, so quibbles and bits. Um, I kept going back and forth between things that I found energizing and I would even dare say loved about this film, and and elements that I found really practically laughable. Um, some of which might not even be the movie's fault. So. Point number one thing I loved, uh, the animation style. I already mentioned that it was that it was like great, you know, kind of reminded me of like watching a video game. I mean that in the utmost compliment. Um, I, I just, I loved the vibe, the feel of what I was watching. That was something I don't think I mentioned earlier, but like 
it cracked open a door of like, well, I guess there's a lot of these OVAs out there that have kind of comparable style, and 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 many of them are available just on the internet to to watch either on Amazon Prime or something like that. There was one called like Wicked City that looked kind of interesting, and and there's a couple of others that I'm like, oh, I might, I mean, just for fun, I might check out a few of these and see what their flavor is. That you know, that was kind of enjoyable. And you juxtapose how energized and how how fun I found the animation itself, the visual animation, with the American overdub that I was like, this is like embarrassing in some cases. Like in some cases, it sounded like I could hear the room tone when they clicked in and out of the overlay with the overdub. I was like, okay. uh, yeah, it, it was just weird. Like the accents didn't quite jive. I didn't. It was it was really jarring for me. Well, the most egregious be, offender there is going to be old waitress girl. That was intense. The server. Oh my she's, gosh. She's got like the deepest country, <laughs> but fake country. It's like yeah, deepest oh, yeah. deep south fake deep south accent. Yeah, a lot of the supporting characters had accents from somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I mean, Jimmy had some sort of. She's supposed to be like Latino now. or yeah, oh, Mexican. Yeah. Or, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And I don't the know. Princess was. Uh, British supposed to be British. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. That was a weird choice. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it it was very it was very strange. The American overdub choices were were really really strange. I imagine if I had heard this in the original Japanese with some subtitles, it might have been more fluid, a little bit more consistent. It was just I have no idea why they made the choices they did when they overdubbed yeah. this. But I, I mean, could. They- the studio Jubilee dubs they always do are with professional actors and they're very good usually. Yeah. Yes, so this is this absolutely. is not that. This is something no. more more amateur, it seems like, or they did they just didn't make the good choices for who to cast and how to direct them. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I, I did and watch it, the, the trailer which had the, the Japanese original and it sounded oh, really? pretty professional, at least in the trailer. Wow. Maybe See that's was, the thing. Maybe it was more boring, but more for, <laughs> more, more professional. But no, I really I would be curious to see a film like this in the original Japanese language track because mm. I, it, it took me out so many times, like so many times I was listening to it and I was like, I kid you not, I, I, I thought I could tell like, oh, somebody just clicked in and clicked out of their of their dialogue insertion. And I was like, man, I bet the original Japanese track on this sounds seamless. I bet the mix is much cleaner and 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 so yeah it did it but there's no option for that on Amazon Prime it yeah. may not even be available digitally to watch it in that way yeah, um, it's a shame that the that the voices aren't better because usually for <laughs> animation I would rather it be a nice English dub so I can my eyes can be on more of the screen than just reading uh, the words but. fair point yeah fair point well and, um, and I wonder too Reed if if and this is just kind of coming to me in real time like this stylistically this is so. Uh, different than we're used to that I, that I think like had were at the original audio track. I think you're a bit more enmeshed in, in the, the kind of atmosphere of the zeitgeist. That oh, they're, right. You know, kind of painting here. Whereas now your brain's competing with the visual experience and the audio experience, which is really strange choice making as we've described. Um, Absolutely. Something I did want to, Oh, um, I do have a quibble and then unless there are any others, we can pivot to that ain't right. Okay. Um, again, this is, this is 2022 Nathan hat on here, <laughs> but tonally this story is awfully misogynistic and it was a little bit of a turnoff in that regard. Just the, 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 <laughs> the way what's her name? Sayaka. Um, I believe the, it's the president's name. daughter. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Um, you know, just just a lot of the 
casual misogyny that gets thrown her way in this movie is just <laughs> like wow y'all <laughs> just i don't know i don't know it, it's it's it, it's almost impressive if it weren't such a impressive for how far they go with some of the uh with some of it yeah i listened it, to a few other podcasts or youtube videos on this movie and it, yeah oh some of the comment commentators do bring that kind of thing up mm-hmm. and and i kind of saw that there was the main character koyaya he was he was really like a not a nice guy in the beginning of the movie he has some growth by the end of the movie and not complete which is more right. realistic that it wouldn't be a complete turnaround but you know you remember the beginning scene you're you're mentioning in the the, the cafe oh yeah right. <laughs> when she walks by and he's like touchdown i'm like what the <laughs> no then on the tv it was saying touchdown and he's more like touch up Right. oh my god yes <laughs> yes and just threw that out there and then like we referenced it in a bit earlier where he was like yeah. when he's when he's sleeping in the same bed with her and he's like i better sleep on the floor i'm gonna lose control i'm like this whoa the, what, I just, what in the world <laughs> i mean well, there's one where he literally says i think it's scripted i'm just a regular guy you're just a dumb girl like this is oh yes this exactly is, this, dude, this yes. dude's the worst um yeah, I so guess yeah. he, he knows himself enough that he shouldn't yeah. uh sleep in the same bed with her if he's gonna lose control sure. fair fair <laughs> sure. I, I like that glass half full approach yeah, yeah. that's what i like about you but it, um, didn't, mean, it didn't mean they had to write that in the movie like that though no let me get that from subtext or something um but enough of quibbles let's talk about a few things that categorically would not just be called wrong but ain't right All right, so this is Ooh. yes. Thank you, Beckley, for your that ain't right mug there. Um, That's right. You know, as Steve, you you decided to remind us this is not this isn't the Saturday morning cartoon that apparently the rest of this series has been for you. Um, and so there are some actual horror elements here. <laughs> um, Steve, I'm gonna let you start. What what is there a top for you of that ain't rights for Demon City Shinjuku? Um. You know how people keep getting sucked into the earth in this movie? Yes. <laughs> when, when they go into Shinjuku out of the regular Tokyo. Right. Um, first, it's the the person we see is the rapist guy. Um, after, yes. After they're done encountering him, everyone walks away, and then a hole opens up in the earth. He gets sucked in. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, fairly f that guy but not i mean like yes <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> but but yes yeah it's usually right after the right after the main characters are done talking to them they walk away and then the person they just got done talking to it was the uh the hag lady there was the informant oh they that's walk, right they walk away from her and then the hole opens up there we go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh and then the then the crab monster crawls out of the hole so, oh yeah. my gosh <laughs> are you talking about the oh yeah like the like the mouth in his tummy yeah. Oh, yeah. That that right. disgusting. Uh, yeah. No, that's not right. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. It's like. I mean, anytime ooh. you. <laughs> it's really funny. It's making me think. I just finished a Castlevania game because we're in Castlevania. And one of the final iterations, because each of these Castlevania games are a little redundant after a while, but it's the final boss is going to be Dracula, right? Well, Dracula typically has more than one iteration, as these games do. And one of his final forms in one of these games is this giant flying bat with a mouth in its 
stomach. It's really oh. gross. Yeah. So yeah, that's what made me think of that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to. Do I go for the jokey one or the more real one? Um, wow. I'll go for the more real one and let Reed take the jokey one. Because um, that's that's typically how we roll. <laughs> I don't know if I've got the jokey one on my prankster. Oh, well, then I'll go for the jokey one and you can do the real one. And I'll just piggyback on you. Um, uh, I mean, it's the horny snake lady. Like, what? Oh, I did have like, that one. That's... <laughs> 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 I did have that one. <laughs> I mean, you know, like a fella's just trying to make his way in the world and the old gal, you know, I, I suppose attractive on a certain level kind of woos you and you know, this is this is just not how it should go and she just like tries to you know, bed him on a billiards table and turns into a giant snake lady. It's really well, that's the thing. Like att- attraction goes out the window when she suddenly turns sure. into like Mrs. Fantastic and she's stretching out everywhere. Well, there's nothing fantastic like, about that. Yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. fantastic nope. about it. No, the, whole fl- the whole fight was really flirty, though. It was, <laughs> and it was weird. It was just I was sitting there right. like, that's I why she's the horny snake lady. Yeah, I'm like, I don't understand what's happening here. And Mephisto is like yeah. unenthused. He's just did I? <laughs> okay, like, I need to raise my hand. Did I miss something? Like. I know from, you know, Western culture, Mephisto is an analog for a devil character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did I miss something? Did they state the uh, who or what this character is? They named him, but oh, I don't right. remember his like, origin or anything. Is it just a guy? Just a person? They, the don't say, they, don't, they don't say that he's a demon. I, yeah, I, was, I I grabbed some quotes. There was one, one time when the hero, Coyola, he says, are you one of them? Are you Mephisto? As in, are you a devil? Are you a demon? Mm, he says, right. I, have been, I have been called demonic unjustly. I only ask if this wor- I only ask if this world is worth giving your life for. Yeah, he just segues on to something else. But he just says, I have been called demonic unjustly. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, it- I- I'm glad it's not just me. That's <laughs> a little confusing. Okay. That's fine. No, I mean, it's fine. maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe should have been mentioned in, in quibbles and bits, but like, I do think. I keep coming back to this whole video game idea because I do think some things in the narrative are just like, and here's a new character. How are right. you here? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. we don't know, but I'm here to fight with you. And, you know, are you going to save mankind? I mean, like, that's really like that. Well, that's kind of how things progress. This is where I will cases. actually, this is where I'll praise the movie. There's some really striking visuals and Absolutely. Um, Mephisto kind of be one of those. But to your point, Reed, it's kind of like enter the mysterious shadowy figure. In a mm-hmm. coat that flaps in the wind, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Well, what's his deal? I, I don't. He's unjustly called demonic or something. <laughs> I don't know. He's a neutral now, though, observer, is how I see it. Yeah, yeah. And he's well, sure. kind of like a kind of like a Han Solo too, where he's like you don't know quite where he stands, but then he comes back in the end and helps out. Right? Such, such a nerd. <laughs> There's a, lot of, there's a lot of like uh, Joseph Campbell hero's journey stuff in this, and and that's the yes. same line as Star Wars really followed too. Sure. So you see, a the there, there's an Obi Wan Kenobi, there's a Luke. Mm-hmm. He says uh, that's such a long way from here, you know, in the in the in Star yes. Wars, and it's the same, just like Koyoya in the beginning of the movie. He doesn't really. See I was going he, into Tashi Station help. to pick up some girls inappropriately. Yeah, whoa, <laughs> that's me mixing Star Wars and Shinjuku. <laughs> Yeah, we get it. We get it. I think, do they, and now this is, actually this next comment is me um, advocating for the film, advocating for the sort of the narrative. Is there meant to be, or did either of you pick up on that there's meant to be in the heart of Shinjuku where this devil's shake thing has happened, just a lot of sort of 
oddity. Like, for instance, here's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the fact that Chibi has a two-headed dog. And it's, like, never really articulated exactly like, okay, what this is a two-headed dog, and dog is fiercely loyal to Chibi. Doesn't last long in the film, but fiercely loyal to Chibi. And and I'm sitting here, I'm like, is it meant to be that just we know, you know, based on what Rebi Ra did, there's this devil shake that has hit Shinjuku, and so then just, like, like crazy stuff emerges, right? Well, Chibi, like, really uh, quickly did this exposition (laughs) about where he got the dog, and there were a whole lot of those dogs that were. Oh, I might have missed that. That were made through experimentation. I think it was. Or, oh, and they I just released that. into the city, and he got it when it was just a pup. I t- it was yeah, that, totally it was that, that English dubbing read. They just, yeah. you know, I was, they're speaking was, your language, and you still don't I mean, get it. The dog, was, the, the dog being introduced to us and explained, and then dying really quickly. That was another one of my that ain't right. So, yeah, okay. they didn't give well, it. They didn't give it any time. Any Reed, time you, you haven't formally done a that ain't right. What? What would you no. pick? Okay, so here's my thing is, <laughs> honestly, the things we've mentioned on That Ain't Right, well, this one is also, like, one of my favorite moments in the movie. <laughs> so, like, it ain't right, but it's one of my favorite moments in the movie. It was freaky as crap when they're walking along the train tracks and then they fall mm-hmm. into that puddle. Oh, yeah. Like, this is probably my favorite moment in the movie, honestly, is, like, they fall into that puddle and then the water demon, which is, like, spits out eye globule yeah. things at the with like the tendril stuff and it did that that junk is freaky i was mm-hmm. like this ain't right that's man. probably it's- one of the most kind of striking visuals of the whole film yeah oh um, yeah that whole sequence part of it is just the the kind of underwater nature of it part of it's that creature design is really strong which is mm-hmm. funny because i actually it, he's been referenced but the crab you know, uh, mouth stomach monster. <laughs> I found pretty like, eh, it, it, it felt like me in sixth grade, just drawing monsters on my notepad yeah. kind of character. Whereas this, I'm going to give him seven arms. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crab monster with a mouth in its stomach. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas this thing was, was actually, you know, freaky and creepy mm-hmm. and, Mm-hmm. It had a voice like a like a, like a screeching harpy, really, right? Yeah, yeah, and it, and it could project itself, so you didn't know which one. It had a whole lot, whole lot of it. You didn't know which one was the real one, right? Yeah, right. and everything. The color palette is all yeah. red in yeah, that. Yeah. Like it's striking reds when they go under there, which again it aids the arresting nature of the moment. So it was just, uh, yeah, yeah. That was so. That creature ain't right. Like holy crap! No, I don't want to go, but. You know, with an asterisk that that also might be my favorite scene in the whole film. I I I, I was really enthused. And it had another power with its projection. It had uh, it had gotten a hold of uh, Chibi, the little guy, mm-hmm. as, right. he, as he was sleeping, and then it actually wasn't Chibi. It was a projection of him. That's oh, that's it lured them into the puddle. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And then oh, he man. woke up in his uh, cot or his, or his uh, hammock. He was all that's wet. A- yeah, <laughs> it's a nasty water demon. You don't want to. You don't want to encounter no nasty water mm-hmm. demon. That's why you don't walk on the railroad tracks. No, ever. <laughs> don't splash in puddles. That's been another installment of. That sure as hell ain't right. Um, what do you, what do y'all want to talk about? <laughs> um, Stephen, I want to I want to defer to you. You you are a guest. Um, uh, uh, what are some thematic resonances that you'd like to kind of put on the table for us to talk about 
Well, you mentioned Mephisto. I mean, he does a lot of philosophizing during the movie. He can just sort of take some of his quotes and uh, go on from there sometimes. I mean, it says, uh, men have always fought each other, always creating chaos. That's familiar and safe. They know where they are in those circumstances, but to hazard a step into the unknown and actually love one another is far too risky for them. So if the demons do invade the world, bringing terror and misery with them, don't you think that men might welcome them as bearers of what they desire? It's funny that um, state that last sentence or two there. So if the demons do invade the world, bringing terror and misery with them, don't you think that men might welcome them as bearers of what they desire? Mm. Man, <laughs> I, I can't believe where I'm about to go with this, but oh wow, that line did register for me. And in the subsequent 10 seconds from hearing that line, just all these sorts of ricocheting notions entered my mind of i'm sorry beckley read the last sentence one more time something about temptations, so demons right? do invade the world bringing terror and misery with them don't you think that men might welcome them as bearers of what they desire as bearers of what they desire don't you think we might welcome them as bearers of what we desire it's that mm -hmm. that really like listen I, I don't think this movie is that deep at all but that line while watching it jumped out at me because as bearers of what they desire, because in that moment, you, you know how these, I don't know if this happens to y'all, maybe I'm just a weirdo, but you know, every now and then you'll just have this, this brain train that happens really quickly of like, you know, man, I don't even know how to describe it, but as bearers of what they desire, this, this sort of imagined worlds of unfettered indulgence of temptation. And how, how good it is to have restraint in the world, in our lives. And mm. it's funny. I, this is what I meant by, I, I'm, I can't believe I'm about to do this. I was just listening today to a conversation that was reflecting on the terrible tragedy, but one more of dozens in recent years in Buffalo, New York. And yeah it was a conversation about technology and social media platforms and acceleration potential present in these internet platforms, but specifically about the conversation was with sort of a, a tech journalist who was, was sort of ranking platforms on the capacity to draw terrible behaving people together. And what they said was platforms like, 4chan, which is, uh, to my knowledge, to my memory right now of listening to today, completely anonymous. This is where, when, when there is, when the demons are at play offering us, uh, uh, what we desire and there's nothing, there's no accountability for that indulgence. What does it produce and promote? And so that line, um, which again, I'm, I'm failing to remember cause I'm just responding to the feeling I had and hearing it really spoke to me of this notion of the scary nature, the, the, the fear it struck in my heart in the 10 seconds as I was thinking it like it's bad to get all of the things we kind of crave and want and what, what that produces in the world when, when that is indulged. Anyway, I, I know that's like super stream of consciousness and random perhaps, but 
But I'm well. I'm tracking with what you're talking about in the <laughs> in in the in the ways in which we will often. I mean, it, we've railed against this kind of idea, and forgive me if the way that I'm expressing it is a bit too simplistic to what you were scratching at. But uh, I think we will, with alarming consistency, welcome. I'm just going to say it using the language of the film. We'll welcome demons into our lives if they bring us what we have longed for. Like, that is a frightening regularity that we have in the human condition. And I think people unwilling to admit that about themselves are kind of not being self-aware enough about the ways in which we will, like, we know it's destructive. We know it's bad for us but it is bringing us something that we want. It is bringing us something we have desired and, and, and have to a certain degree longed for. So, okay. So, so we'll say, okay, and we'll, and we'll allow it and we'll permit it. Um, and I think that is something that I get challenged by in my own life about, you talk about indulgences and the ways that I will, this is going to feel like a hard pivot, but, when uh, I, I won't necessarily describe too many of the details because maybe it's not important and it'll it might rabbit trail us when I don't intend to. My son's at an age right now where I begin to notice certain things, and he's old enough that I have this weird experience where I start to say like, "Okay, here is a thing that is in his life, or 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 an aspect of his personality, or or or, or a habit, or something that he has." And he's old enough now, and maybe this is a bit narcissistic of me, but he's old enough now that I begin to question how I contributed to the development of that habit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll think about things I'll use. Again, I'm trying actively not to rabbit trail us, but I'll use some easy things uh, like habits like if his attention span is not what I know it was in his earlier years, I wonder, well, does he get too much screen time? Um, If his you know, certain proclivities towards anxiety are something I'm like, okay, well, have we not been protective enough in this, that, or the other? And so you begin to overlay, and I'll come back to indulgences in a second, you begin to overlay in a, in a way that I can get just freaking neurotic about, but you begin to overlay of like, okay, what have I permitted to just come and take residence in my life that I didn't realize until time down the road? Well, now that's, dug in roots and it's producing fruit and I didn't realize like way back then what it was doing and that's what I you know it's a little disjointed from Mephisto's exact quote and what you were scratching at there but I question myself about what do I let in because at the moment it brings relief or it brings comfort mm-hmm. or, it, or, or it brings a certain sense of um, numbness to, to the occasion or actual pleasure you know what do I let in that if I took a beat back and looked at it in a different light, I might recognize, like, that's really bad for me. But I indulge it, and perhaps indulge it too frequently and for too long a period of time because of what it brings to me in the moment. And uh, and so that challenges me quite a bit. I don't know if it's precisely if what I can, you're saying. If I can nuance that real quick, and then I want Beckley, our guest, to, to say a few words. Sure, um, sure. But only a few, Steve. Um, <laughs> sure. The... Um, What's funny, Reed, is when you said 
the things I let in that I know will harm me or, or I don't remember exactly, but you used oneself as the subject, right? Uh, oh. The things I permit that will harm me. But I think what's fascinating is often the, the using the film's language, the demons we permit to roam, we permit knowing they will harm others, mm. but in exchange for our own pleasure or, or, you know, uh, wow. gratitude or, or whatever, not gratitude, um, gratification. And so, you know, not to, <laughs> not to inadvertently, you know, kind of, uh, feed your own anxiety about the story you share, but that idea is kind of haunting. Like what, what are the areas we've in our own self-interest unleashed demons on others in pursuit of our self-interest that, yeah, I mean, like Rebbe Ra in the film, like that we know is maybe, maybe we will never see its effect, but we know the effect is harmful to others, but yeah. we appreciate the self interest that it provides. Uh, that, that, that Mephisto character, he used the uh, mythology more than once. Uh, he relayed the Pandora's box mythology. Oh mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. And that's where, uh, I guess you're not letting things in, but, uh, the demon world was letting, was letting things out through the world was enclosed in this box. And then, but the final thing was, was hope, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pandora's box is one of my favorite stories. And it was, it was funny to hear it referenced in this almost at times felt a little tossed in, but, but I love the story of Pandora's box. That, and that was like, actually one of my yeah. quibbles that I didn't really get in was, it, it was that great quote was, which is almost a great last line of the film. Where mm -hmm. Mephisto said, remember this Pandora's box released chaos. The gods saw the, the despair her action caused. So they released one last item with the other so mankind could bear to go on the gift of hope. Till next time. But then Koyoa says, gee, this girl's great. I know, yeah. It was, <laughs> <laughs> he had to, just, he wow. had to just toss it in. Like, oh, you know, okay. Moment. Oh, yeah, no joke. No joke. Um, I, so, so. I don't know how much I'll talk about this, but I do, I, I, I do want to mention just one thing in passing because it stood out to me. It was it was it was one of the only things that stood out to me as like, oh, this this is interesting. At first, I thought it was kind of dumb, and then by the end of the film, I was like, oh no, wait, that's a that that kind that's kind of fascinating. Um, I thought it was pretty dumb that in the opening sequence, he's like. You know, Rebby Ra is like, yeah, I, you know, I, I've won this battle. You know, I've defeated him. Now I just have to wait 10 years. I'm like, whoa, wait, no, like what? <laughs> like you just you're standing atop the mountain of victory here and you're just like 10 more years. And I'm like, what? the? <laughs> Almost <laughs> there. <laughs> just like, wow. And then came the Source Awards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why, why do you think that was in the script, though, in the story? I thought well, it was I, just just so that uh, the main character could have be like ten years older than he was and have been exactly. without his father for a long time. Yeah, exactly. And I th and it felt so utilitarian for it to be just like, oh, okay. And it 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 felt like it would have been maybe a little bit more substantive for there to just been an ongoing progression of things. But th but then, so like I said, at first when I heard it, I was like, that's dumb. <laughs> like he's just you know gonna have to wait ten years. But then something pinged me that I actually thought was interesting. So um, the, the notion that devastation from the past can have a kind of a resurging power. And so, so what I'm scratching at with this, without going into too many specifics, you, know, you can categorize it as trauma. 
collective trauma, personal trauma, something like that. But like the devastation of the past, it can be easy. I'll say it this way. It can be almost too easy to just dismiss history as innocuous. And when I say history, I'm not meaning necessarily the broad span of of cultural history, but maybe I am talking about that. Personal history, national history, uh, familial history, whatever, it can be easy to dismiss that as innocuous and say like, well, that's in the past. It's just in the past. Don't worry about it. And what I found that was interesting about this is the way that victory to Rebbe Ra so many years ago set the stage that after a certain period of fruition, he was going to come and it was going to devastate everything. And, and, and it pinged for me the ways that certain kinds of traumas, certain kinds of cataclysms can, with the right catalyst, can emerge some degree later with greater vigor, with greater threat, with greater force. And I found that genuinely interesting. Again, from something that I initially dismissed as kind of a silly, innocuous narrative device of like, oh, great, he won this big battle. Now he's got to wait 10 years. And I began to reflect on that, where I began to reflect on like, wow, um, the ways in which, again, personal trauma, historic trauma, national trauma can then emerge later and you realize like, whoa, I didn't realize that there were things festering under the surface that where the devil's shake happened, again, I'm using language of the film, where the devil's shake happened, there were things that were growing in power just waiting for a key to be turned so that they could be unleashed like Pandora's box uh, with, with renewed and greater vigor. And I found, that ge- I found that genuinely frightening, to be candid, and I found that genuinely fascinating um, because I do think we have far too great of a tendency to dismiss historic trauma as innocuous and as powerless when, uh, in point of fact, it, it may not have been closed off, resolved, reconciled. It might have just been laying dormant while it waits to charge or recharge or something before something truly devastating and, and, and even more devastating than before. Yeah, in the, the film, Shinjuku is, is a section of Tokyo which they get right. like a, a sampling of hell coming to Earth, and it's sort of like mm-hmm. I don't, it's not physically walled off, but it's it's really contained to that area. Yeah, so it, it, when you're, you're saying it, it could be like a collective trauma in this metaphor. Um, say yeah. it's, it could be like a city that experienced trauma of an event, or mm-hmm. or maybe like in in a church even or a church community. Yeah, right. There's a scandal right. there, and then yeah. if, if you sort of brush it under the rug. And then mm-hmm. it doesn't solve it. And then years later, there could be a resurgence of the effects of the trauma. Yeah, and come and 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 the, the other piece of that being the participation of Rebbe Ra himself, leveraging what had happened before to and and granted in this narrative, he was responsible for the initial victory that brought the devil shake, and he's responsible for the renewed trying to. But but I also found it interesting. This is not the, this is me bringing this to the story. The concept of what if Rebbe Ra's work had been done with the initial Devil's Shake moment and then a, another catalyst, a new catalyst, came along to try to unleash it? And I also found that interesting because that's a real, that's a real conversation, non-metaphorical, right now about how we converse about trauma. How, how do we dialogue about trauma? There's, there's, there's a, f- a faction of thought 
that would say, well, that's in the past. Don't dredge up the past. Why are you, why are you opening old wounds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not trying to be too dismissive to that line of thought. But then there's another train of thought that would, that would say like, hey, no, we, we never closed this off. We just, it, it, it just, it happened. And in this film, Shinjuku from that moment is devastated and always looked that way. Buildings toppled upon one another. Little girls, uh, troubled souls wandering the streets, you know, like in, in this, in this film. And, um, and I think a lot of times there can be the effort to try to ignore what has already happened as a, like, you know, it, it, it's already happened. It's just, it's just in the past. And being or in my, if I, if I can interject, I'm sorry. Sure. Or to normalize, to normalize it. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. ignoring and there's normalizing it. And absolutely. And either are problematic. And in my life, right. Couldn't agree more. And in my life at 40, I am continually surprised, disarmed, disturbed by the ways in which the right combination of triggers, I'm using the word trigger in, in, in that literal like catalyst sort of sense, the right combination of triggers said by the right people at the right moment of vulnerability can send me in a tailspin. I, f- I consider myself to be a reasonably healthy individual, uh, you know, self-aware. I try to be well put together, but regardless of like, whatever machinations I've put in place to try to progress my own health, the ways in which, again, the right combination at the right moment of vulnerability can just send, send me pivoting and, and, and with, with alarming rapidity <laughs> can sure. send me just kind of spiraling in, inside my own thoughts. And, um, and so that's what, again, one genuine thing that this film, which admittedly has, you know, a kind of a kind of a thin narrative, but um, made me think about is the ways in which it can just like, well, that that happened in the past, but no, it's it's growing in power, and and if the right catalyst comes along to try to magnify that power, it will take a true force of will and 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 healing and collective effort to be able to subdue it. Um, so yeah, so I mean, yeah, Steve, any anything else to add before we? Kind of wind things down. Yeah, it can be um, about that or something new. What do you think about the um, the the power of chi at mm. the end of the movie? The uh, or I think actually at the beginning of the movie, the, the father had uh, put his chi, which is like his his, his essence, the embodiment yeah. of his whole essence or life, right? Talents and power and skills. He put he before he died, he put it all into his wooden sword, and it fell into the chasm. And then at the end of the movie. Um, the hero Koyoya, he found it almost by accident, right. really. I mean, yeah. some people, a lot of people point out that that's sort of like a weak story point that it just happens by chance, and then he comes and just uh, slashes Revi Ra with with one strike of the sword and beats him. Um, mm-hmm. But when you hear what sort of the ex- exposition from uh, like the disembodied voice of his father and also the uh, the the Master Ray at the end, the the dialogue was. Uh, the disembodied spirit of his father says, believe the power, but do not think yourself its master. It is greater than you. Be content mm. to serve it. It is the power, the control, the chi of the universe in which all things are born. You must learn to understand that all. He says, thanks, Dad. <laughs> before, before his dad spoke, he said, all the power of my father is mine. And you could you could interpret that as, as sort of a, a 
Christian standpoint of, of the Father being the Lord, the Lord God, all the power of God is His, and what His Father says is to, you know, trust in the power of God, but don't think yourself God's master. You can't just pray and, and ask God and expect Him to give you whatever you want. It's it's yeah. uh, it's greater than you, and it's not understandable by you, but it is the yeah. greatest power ever. Mm. You don't have control of it, but it is, you would describe it as the chi of the universe. Mm. <laughs> well, and and so what you're, I'm I'm actually really grateful you brought that up, and I know we're we're kind of winding to a close on this conversation, but it is helpful. I, I say this in utmost sincerity. This is what I felt and heard while you're talking about this. I identified that uh, uh, trauma, cataclysm happened and mm-hmm. festered. It is profoundly helpful, and I forget it far too often to recognize that it is not only wickedness and evil that plants in the ground and grows, that Hmm. legacies of goodwill, legacies of self-sacrifice, legacies of giving of self over, uh, that also has a power that, that passes down through generations. And when grasped upon and built upon and, you know, uh, 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 taken into oneself as instructive to go forth and do likewise can be profoundly powerful. And it is, it is helpful in these moments to remember that it is not only wickedness, evil, and trauma that have legacies upon which new things can build. There are also legacies there that can be, you know, remembered, grasped. They may feel like, especially amidst the devil's shake, they may feel like they've fallen into a chasm and they're buried under a massive amount of rubble, but they are there. And when we come upon them, we would do ourselves and those around us a great service to build upon those same legacies. I'll I'll share this, get out of the esoteric and and, and get a little personal for a second. There was, there was a phrase that my father used to say um, and, 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 and I'm going to ask co-hosts and I'm going to ask listeners not to read too much overlay into, um, the substance of, well, it doesn't work that way or whatever. There was something that my father used to say that has stuck with me when he talked about his own conversion experience. And when he talked about his own conversion experience, the phrase that he would say is he said, the Lord heard the multitude of prayers my grandmother prayed for me. And that is how he would phrase it. He said, the Lord heard the multitude of prayers my grandmother prayed for me. And that phrasing has stuck with me, and I'm not about to get into a, 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 you know, a theological dissertation. There's a, there's a profound quickening in my heart, in my spirit, when I recognize, like, yeah, all this that we're talking about, that it is not only wickedness that has legacies which can plant roots into the ground and can bear fruit uh, to, to poorly quote Gandalf, because I don't have the, the, the quote in front of me. Perhaps, Nathan, you'll be able to quote it more effectively. Um, but he said, it is not only evil that is, is working its way through the world, Frodo. You know, again, I'm poorly quoting him. But uh, it, is, uh, it is not only the will of evil that is doing work. You know, there are other forces at work besides the will of evil. And, uh, and that is important to remember, particularly in times like these, which are so tumultuous and so uh, combative and so uh, divisive. It, I think, is, is dreadfully of the essence to remember that there are other legacies of goodness and invention and self-sacrifice and, and goodwill and, uh, and, and giving of self for others and, and a multitude of other very, very profoundly beautiful legacies that still exist. They were not like the, the 
president in this film, they were not wrapped up in vines and threatened and, and, and cast aside. They may be a bit buried under the rubble of everything that we see and feel, but they are there. And when we unearth them, they have remarkable power to dispel the wickedness, to dispel the darkness, to continue their good work in us and through us uh, out into the world. So I didn't mean to wax so poetic, but that's something that I'm, I'm really appreciative of being reminded of, even in a film uh, so perhaps video gamey as <laughs> Demon City <laughs> Shinjuku, uh, you know. Uh, so yeah, that was. No, I, I, I attend a uh, Sunday school class at my church, and a mm-hmm. recent uh, recent class, the subject of miracles was brought up, and and, mm. and the teacher asked uh, every, every, the class collectively, "Do you believe in miracles?" And I guess everybody individually as well. We all said whether we do or not. Um, yeah. And I think most of us said either we do believe in miracles or we believe in the hope of miracles, uh, mm. something to that effect. Um, or we, if we haven't experienced them, we, we, we hope that they're true. Um, it, it sort of corresponds to this movie in that uh, in, at that climactic scene, there was a voiceover from the Master Ray, the guru, who said, uh, it's a miracle. He found the sword. Yeah. Like, like, oh, before yeah. that, before yeah. that moment, there was, there was he really didn't have much hope. He thought there was a glimmer of hope. But because uh, Koyoa didn't really have much skill in the level that his father did, he didn't think right. there was much hope that he could actually beat Rebira. But then the miracle occurred, and he did. Wow. <laughs> so if you believe in miracles, they can they can occur. So have hope. <laughs> he, yeah. said, he even said at one time, he said, all we can do now is pray. He said that in the movie. That's right. Um, no, that's right. So he must have prayed, and then a miracle occurred. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's interesting, like... It's fascinating because the more we talk about this film, I'm like, wait, maybe there's more in this movie than I... Well, I actually thought the, <laughs> the most beautiful scene in the movie is one we really didn't talk about was uh, the, the when they're in the park and and oh. the spirit of all the dead children sort of descend and uh, Sayaka was really standing up to all that power of, of the of what, the ghosts of the, of the of the children that turn mm-hmm. malicious because they keep trying to uh, get revenge on what happened to them. But then right. she, she kind of speaks softly, and, and she's an encourager, really. Mm-hmm. Her power mm-hmm. is that she's a courageous encourager. Yeah. She can't really, and she, she can't fight on her own, but she's there to support the main hero, and she's an encourager. And uh, that's also something that was brought up in, our, um, in my Sunday school class recently was, wow. uh, was uh, in the Bible. Barnabas was an encourager to Paul, and mm. Paul couldn't have been mm-hmm. who he was unless he had Barnabas there, or else I'm sure he would have really belittled him, and he wouldn't have gotten very far. Well, I am, and I say this in utmost sincerity, I'm thankful for courageous encouragers like Steve Beckley and Nathan Rouse. I am, oh. I am oh. surrounded by I'm going to have to sleep on the floor. <laughs> read, because you are just too much. But no, I, 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 I have some courageous encouragers in my life, and I, I, I love that. I think that's a lovely note to end on. Um, you guys, you guys good to go to the fog meter? We good on sure. Demon City, Shinjuku? So, um, fog meter is our very specific metric of fear and God by which we rate all that we cover in its scares and its substance. So, Demon City, Shinjuku. Uh, Steve, I will give you the honor of going first on the fear measurement for Thank Demon you. City, Shinjuku. Thanks for the honor of going first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say uh, monster imagery and the darkness and the threat of hell on earth, remaking the world, made for constant dreadfulness and a frightening sense 
uh, about the whole adventure mm. of Demon City Shinjuku. Even the simplistic animation style, I found it artful, mysterious, and at times gross and gory. So I would uh-huh. uh, give it an eight. Ah, nice. Uh, so for myself, those when those monsters showed up, like I was, I was seriously, I was like, wow, okay. Whether it's crazy, you know, flirty billiard snake lady, whether it's the puddle water demon eye monster thing, even old toothy stomach crab beast, like whatever it is, like I was like, wow, these are these are pretty gnarly. Um, I don't think I'm going to quite go as high as an eight, but I'm going to give this a firm six uh, on uh, the the frightening imagery and those sequences genuinely being pretty energizing to me. So six for me. Nathan, what would you give Demon City Shinjuku on fear? Um, yeah, I think a I think a six feels fair. I like the monsters. I actually wish there were a little more of them. Um, mm, yeah, you know that it it very much has a uh, a chapter kind of vibe to it, right? Like this is the the stomach monster. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. the puddle monster. <laughs> now it's the horny snake lady. You know, so it, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think for a movie about a portal to hell pouring forth monstrosities into our earth space. It would have been cool to see a few more of those, but what we did get is pretty striking. So yeah, I think, uh, that's a six. Yeah, it would have been six joining you. We've had two hour movie. If there were more monsters, probably that's true. That's a good point. (laughs) As As opposed to just an 80 minutes, one and done. Um, Nathan, what would you give it for the God factor? I do think, uh, Steve, I think you brought this up a while back. There is the kind of hero's journey template at work here. Um, I, for me personally, the narrative is pretty thin, though. That that's that's kind of just the, the the template it's working with, um, and and most of what has been drawn out has been you know through kind of personal experience and observation applied to it. So, um, I am for the God Factor going to go with a three. Okay. Um, for myself, so if listeners haven't already picked up on it, I usually rank things slightly higher on the God factor if something of substance emerges that I didn't have to work for. So like if 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 something in the narrative like snapped its fingers for me and brought something to me. Um, so for that, what I brought up about, you know, the the presence of lingering time and and the effects of things growing power, that's in the narrative and that jumped out to me. Um, so, so that alone is going to earn this film some points besides that. I do agree. I think it's a pretty thin narrative. I think what it has, it doesn't seek to explore in very much depth. So I'm going to split the difference. And for me, I'm going to give it a five. What would you say, Steve? I think I'm more generous than you guys, but I'm being true to how I usually are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think Reed usually is, but, uh, that's true. I I typically like his letterbox scores for things. I'm very generous uh, to films. Quite ungenerous. I did take a few. (laughs) I took a few points off just because it seemed like a uh, a formulaic story arc and lightly drawn characters, um, which kind of take me out of it sometimes. But there were times, as I mentioned a lot when we were talking about the the theme uh, of poignant dialogue, that really drew me in and and made me want to stop and appreciate the film at certain times. Um, Mm It's a, it's a high stakes hero's journey, and, and there are big God versus devil themes that I think we can apply to our personal sure. choices and ideologies. Yep. Uh, but most of the meaning is derived and understood from, like I said, speechifying dialogue as opposed to a good screenplay and deeply drawn characters. Um, so all that leads me to say 7.5. 
All right. (laughs) I like it. I like it. And that means that we give Demon City Shinjuku a 6 out of 10 on the fog meter. That's a a really... It is higher than I thought we were going to be giving Demon City Shinjuku, let me tell you. Um, But I think the trickier question is... Would you recommend it? Uh, so, Nathan, I'm going to go to you first, and then we'll end with with Steve. Um, so, do you recommend Demon City Shinjuku? Um, I think that... Here's the thing. I like the flavor of the movie. I don't mm-hmm. like the voice of the movie, if that makes any sense. Um, I think it does. Yeah. I like the energy of it. It, But, but you know... The, and, and it is a little unfair that... I didn't see the non-dubbed version, you know, mm. and and unfair to me, the viewer, in formulating a recommendation or not. I do think probably some of its eccentricities would still be there that I didn't care for, like the casual misogyny. But um, I think I think actually watching the dubbed version probably hurt me more than I would have liked. Um, so uh, right now, in my experience, I'm going to say a not really for okay. because I think there's a good chance there are other films and 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 if anything this prompts me kind of like you've expressed a little bit reed to take an interest in what else might be out there that fits the mold uh like does this movie pique your interest into more movies from this subgenre yeah and i feel like it's come up a couple times and maybe i'll figure out a way whether in a scare tunes with the numeral two uh second series to throw some makira in here because I, I am interested in revisiting that and I feel dumb that I didn't even think about it for for this go round, but but nonetheless, yes, it's it's kind of piqued my interest to yeah. to look into because what I will actually, oh go ahead. I, I was going to say is what I will applaud the, for the film is you know again some of these tropes of of uh, uh, well uh, mostly well established monsters and and sort of stuff that is fodder for the fear of God. I just think the execution for me left something to be desired. What were you going to say, Steve? I mean, Akira is actually the same year, 1988, as this. Oh, movie. really? Yeah. Oh. So I don't know if they would have influenced each other or not. Uh, sure. But, but this was more. It seemed like it was more low budget as an OVA. As Akira, I think, was meant as yeah. a feature film internationally yeah. distributed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I did see it. I did see Akira, I believe, once, and and that was pretty impressive as a yeah. horror adventure. Um, yeah. Um, I think for myself, I'm I'm going to be on a similar wavelength to Nathan. So here's the deal with me. This absolutely piqued my interest to like I active prior to the conversation. I actively looked up what else might be out there from this same time zone, from this same uh, general flavor that I might be interested to to check out. And I, I there were a couple of titles that I'm like, oh, that's yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting. I might I sincerely am considering queuing those up for fun. So to that end, clearly the film left a positive impression with me. I am inclined to say that I don't really recommend it only because I feel like. That that language barrier thing does really hurt it for me. The 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 American overdubs yeah. Yeah. really really does hurt this experience. But then at the same time, normally I recommend with an asterisk. I'm gonna not recommend with an asterisk to say like I genuinely <laughs> was genuinely it, well. I genuinely loved the visual flavor of the film. We've talked about the monsters. We've and 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 as I've said more than once now, the experience of watching this wet my appetite to say i i really want to see what else might be out there that would be like this um and kind of get into this world a little bit because i i <laughs> i had a i had some fun with it um and so so to that end it's like yeah i don't really recommend it on the strengths or the merits of its of itself as a singular piece 
but with an asterisk that there is a flavor here that if you enjoy it, you're you're gonna have a good time. It's it's fun. So uh, so yeah, that's that. What about you, Steve? Well, I did enjoy it, and I had a good time with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did recommend it, and I did I did curate it for you, so I would recommend yes. it. It mm-hmm. is it is short, so that's something. It is even if you yes. don't like it, you're not giving up too much time. It's a I simple, wholeheartedly agree. It's a simple hero's journey tale, and it's got it's got some cool monsters. Maybe not enough, mm-hmm. Nathan, but uh, but you may, <laughs> you may find some interesting commentary on uh, on like humanity and uh, spiritual yeah. warfare. Um, it's it's very of its time of of 1988 and and its Absolutely. culture Japan and and mm-hmm. its subgenre of OVAs. So so you got to take that with you going into it and realize it made it had some bad English dubbing choices. Um, <laughs> but so, so if you take that all all with you as you go in, so you, you might uh, get your um, you might expand your horizons. Um, yeah, and it, it definitely piqued my interest to checking out some more as it comes as they come available to me, or to seek out some physical copies so I can select a different dubbing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, but I would certainly say don't watch it with kids, as it is adult themed animation. Um, Absolutely. It may, it may seem like it's R rated. They probably if they wanted to make a PG thirteen version, maybe they it only had to take out a few minutes and read yeah. up some things uh yep yep yeah. exactly yeah i think that's Cleaner, right maybe but maybe not as fun yeah mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> take out the whole uh snake lady scene almost that whole scene has to go <laughs> <laughs> like like it all has to go um but no that's uh, i i genuinely i said at the beginning i genuinely mean this like i i'm appreciative of something like this that without this context and without you curating it for us, I never would have seen this. I, I, I cannot imagine a scenario in which I would have pulled this up just, just on a lark, um, but you pointing me to it has now perhaps opened up some windows of some things, and so and I'm, I'm genuinely very appreciative of that. So thank you, Steve, for curating uh, Demon City Shinjuku for us. Nathan, as always, thank you very, very much for this conversation. And Steve, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Yes, this is always a pleasure. pleasure. This has been really, really fun. So next week... Um, ladies and gentlemen, we are for the primary episode. We are going to be encompassing the last four episodes of season two of Castlevania, having our broader conversation about uh, Castlevania, the series as a whole. Uh, we have some fun things planned for the patron segment, but acquaint yourself with Castlevania, the last four episodes of season two, episodes five, six, seven, and eight. And we will see you right back here next week. Um, And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, 
and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.